0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mastermind.fm. This is Jean Galea, and this is an episode about investing in real estate online. To help me out with this topic, I've got Audrius from um, Evo Estate, and I've also got my dad, Joseph Galea, who will be appearing on the podcast for the first time, hopefully not the last time. And he's an experienced CFO of an uh, international hotel chain, recently retired, So he's going to be getting more involved as we go forward. So again, this episode is about investing in real estate online and how we can do that, especially in Europe. But obviously, all these platforms that we'll be discussing, many of them at least are open to international investors, although the focus of the real estate is mainly in Europe. So listen up, see what you think. And as usual, if you have any comments or feedback, just let me know. Hope you enjoy. And so I'm going to hand it over to Gustav to introduce himself and the platform.
1: Hi, June, And thank you so much for having me today. Uh, so my name is Gustas, and I'm CEO and co-founder of Evo Estate. And for those who don't know, Evo Estate is peer-to-peer real estate aggregator. Some people also like to refer to us as a platform of all platforms. So what we do We do not issue loans ourselves directly to real estate platforms, but we work with multiple different platforms from all around Europe and we source their deals. In this way, investors can easily diversify without having the hassle of signing up at multiple platforms, doing the KYC, especially in some countries, you know, there are local regulatory restrictions restrict to invest without being that country resident and we supply the best investment tools I think there are in the market. And most importantly, we have skin in the game.
0: All right. So first question I have for you, you're from Lithuania. We know that the Baltics are like the hotbed for all these platforms. Where did the idea come from?
1: Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I just want to clarify that me myself, I'm, uh, from Lithuania with our companies incorporated in Estonia. And we came up with this idea because we've been investing into these deals for the last six years. So almost since the time they actually began in the continental Europe and we just saw, look, this industry is inefficient. If you want to diversify, it's really complex. The other thing was that when you think about peer-to-peer real estate platforms, it doesn't matter which one, they are not investor-focused. And what do I mean by that? When you think about their business, they're solving problems for real estate companies. Because the real estate companies are the ones who are not able to obtain or chooses not to get financing from the banks. And their whole business is based on that. And we can easily see this from an investor perspective. Just, you know, if you're a simple retail investor at looking at uh, just investing a small amounts every month, then yeah, maybe you will not be noticing that. But if you really want to have serious skin in the game and you want to invest larger amounts, you'll see that there are certain things that the platforms do not tell there are certain kind of mistakes like in business models or something i'm not saying they're intentional or anything but i'm just saying sometimes you just have to spend a lot of time looking at these things and this is not investor focus so what we essentially said all right so we gotta make this right we have to think we are investors and we have to build this business as investors not as lenders and the way we built it is exactly like i don't know if you've seen our platform when we have all the original descriptions of the deal originator we always add our comments and we always say if this is a skin in the game deal or not so skin in the game deal is where we have our own money invested and me and Odris we invest at least a thousand euros per each deal so i think it's kind of a skin in the game and this shows how much we are willing to risk to be right
0: Okay, so we've established that Evo Estate was primarily targeted towards improving the experience of the investor. And it's an intermediary between the investor and the platform. So now I'd like my dad, the newbie investor, to kind of get his thoughts on what he thinks about, even I think we should take a step back and talk about Real estate investments online, because many people are not familiar with how this works. So perhaps you can explain briefly how that works. And then my dad can ask some questions about his concerns and such.
1: All right. So basically, the peer-to-peer lending, it's structured in a way that it wants to connect the borrower and the lender directly. And the platform in the middle is just an intermediary who does the risk assessment. First, we have to answer a question, why this thing actually exists? Well, the situation is that after 2008-2009 crisis, banks became really strict with real estate financing for multiple reasons. In some countries, we have a political reason where they restrict lending money for smaller developers. In others, it's just the business logic. Because like if you think about Baltics, where I think peer-to-peer market is huge, if we compare to the total lending volumes. Banks just do not see business in uh, small projects, so projects under one million euros with short terms, which we're talking like 12 months, their costs are too high. And for them, they do not want to get involved, they will earn too little, and banks, you know, they have multiple places where they could earn money.
2: Okay, therefore, if I understand well, you act as a sort of stockbroking firm, is that right? Yeah, okay, how are you regulated?
1: We are not regulated because the crowd lending generally is not regulated in many countries of Europe and uh, even in countries where it is regulated the way we work. We are not a financial services provider, we are financial services facilitator. So, what does it mean that we are an agent or in other words proxy and this is an unregulated field in which we operate. But of course, it doesn't mean that we don't have certain compliance to follow. We have certain rules, certain guidelines. We have to report to the local regulator, comply with the rules. But what a lot of people tend to forget is that when people think about financial products, financial markets, they believe if there isn't the re- like a license or if there isn't like a certain regulations, you just can come to the bank and ask for them like the local re- regulator. But that, that doesn't work because we've been trying to go under one license and on the other. But it just We wouldn't qualify for the certain compliance and they have big banks to check and regulate. So this is how it works.
2: Okay, therefore, you don't give any guarantees, obviously. But if I had to ask you, what kind of expertise do you have in your company? You look young and uh, usually older people like me would feel more comfortable perhaps talking to a more mature person getting the feeling the sensation at least not necessarily it's true that they're talking to somebody who has a lot of experience
1: yeah absolutely so you know i'm uh definitely like we have team members that probably would feel much more comfortable talking with but now i'm here today so basically our team has A long experience in real estate which comes from personal investments perspective. We've been in this field, in this industry for since it almost began. We invested our personal capital in these last six years over 1 million euros in total. And when you think from a personal standpoint, that's I believe this is quite a significant amount of money. And then in every local region, we have local consultants, local real estate brokerages who help us to... Do the diligence who's been in, the, in this business for over. But
2: this obviously doesn't come for free. Therefore, what kind of fees do you
1: charge? So for us, our services are completely free for the investors. The way we make money is that because we source deals, we, as I explained before, we do not give out loans directly to these companies. These deal originators or those, let's say, financial services providers, lenders, they need capital to be raised. So we charge a small percentage just because we are able to invest larger amounts than their typical investors, and we make these money from this difference.
2: Therefore, the source of your income is not from the small retail investors, but if I understand well it comes from the companies who are getting the financing. Is that right?
1: No. It's uh, the one who stands after the ones who get the financing, so the lending company because we are not a lender. We are an investment platform, and we work with multiple lenders, so we charge money to the lender. Oh, to the lenders, okay. Yes, Yes. okay.
2: You boast on your website that you have high returns on real estate. Now, typically, a low-risk bond on the international markets in Europe would, at max, get a rate of 4%. Now how do you explain that you can give these high returns because I was really surprised when I looked at your website and I saw 6 to 16%. Yeah. Obviously it depends on the countries as well where you lend and I'm also interested to know how do you select the countries where you invest.
1: Yeah. So the way you can get these returns is yes if you look from a private standpoint and let's say you take a mortgage Yes, your mortgage rates will be very low, but if we are talking at high interest uh, areas like Spain or Baltics, business loans like twelve percent still reasonable. We're like usually they are much well above. Like let's say they make fifteen percent. So you know, the one who lends this money, the, the intermediary platform, it charges three percent. So if we have twelve percent deal, it still makes sense, because when people think about real estate. The most common thing that comes into their mind is just buying a property and renting it out. Of course, this is the safest, probably, type of the investment, but it doesn't yield attractive returns. Like the way we are able to generate these returns is because those projects are usually small. And these small real estate companies, they usually make 20, 30, 40, in some cases, even 50% margin from their projects so they can easily pay back 15 or 20 percent then so we also have to be clear about three types of the projects that we do so one is these development business loans which i just uh, explained to you second we have an equity project where basically you come into project as a shareholder so you know if a business would make a uh, 500,000 euros project and in total he would make five percent he would be out of business like you know he has salaries to pay so it's very natural that they can make 15 20 percent returns because this is how the real estate business works and then the third type the risk averse type that i just you just said four percent so yes we have rental properties where you earn stable five Six percent returns. In some cases seven, eight percent, but they there are of course a little bit more risk because this is more specialized property. But on top of that you also participate in capital growth. But you know, the thing about capital growth, it could be capital growth, but it could also be negative. So it's all about the timing. But these returns, they are not surprising for people who work in real estate industry.
2: Well, there is a correlation between returns and risk. Now typically in those countries where the interest rates are high there is more risk, or perceived risk. For example, Germany, I would say, is the least risky country in terms of perception. In other countries, yes, the rates uh, can be higher because the risk is deemed to be higher. What is your default uh, percentage?
1: It's zero. Zero? Yeah, it's zero, and if we also look at all our deal providers, so the finance our 200 million euros worth of projects. So there hasn't been a single default yet. And uh, there are some late payments. It's natural, but usually it's not by determination of the project, but just on a monthly, month-to-month basis. So I think like at this point in our platform, we have uh, maybe 7% late interest payments, but this is not like that the project is going bad or something. It's just they will cover the debt when they complete the project and they sell the whole property. Well, that's
2: a very, <laughs> very good default rate, which is zero, as you said. Um, and for how long are these investments in general? I mean, five years, 10 years, one year, two years?
1: So it's it's all about the instrument you, which you choose to invest. So if we talk about loans, uh, so these can be from six months to 16 months, so it's still quite short in their duration. And then we have equities, which also range from 12 24 months, and buy-to-let properties, the one where you get rental income, some of them are five years, some of them do not have a termination date, because what they want to achieve, they want to see uh, where can they maximize the capital growth, and then they sell it. But still, their objective is to sell in four years. But at any given time, we have a secondary market where you can just sell any of your investment at real time. So let's say you invest today and tomorrow you decide, I don't know, I want to keep this investment or I need cash, I want to buy a house, a car. Well, that's all right. You just put it on secondary market and uh, you can even put discounts or premiums.
2: Therefore, there is an easy exit route.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If there aren't any discounts or premiums on, on the, uh, your investments, which you're selling, it's usually exited in the same day. So it's very good liquidity. Twenty percent of the secondary market transactions are completed within twenty-four hours. That's quick.
2: <laughs>
1: but but what would be
2: the premium or the discount, you know, to exit quickly?
1: So like if if you put premium, you probably will not exit fast. But if you put discount, I think even two percent is already quite nice because uh, you know, we are talking about principal discount, not not the 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 interest the uh, discount. But I would say that even if you do not put the discount, and this project was skin in the game, so where the let's say the like we have like high risk and high returns, where these you know when there is equilibrium between the risk and the returns, you can exit them very fast.
0: Yeah, I wanted to comment just. Come back to the issue of the default rate. I think in general, in terms of platforms, it's still very early days because most platforms haven't been operating that long. So to to find defaults is quite rare across all platforms. I personally had defaults in the case of Lendi, the UK platform, which I assume you know about. So the whole platform went into administration earlier this year. And then on Hausers, which is a Spanish platform investing in various parts of Europe, I've had some delayed loans. All the projects I've had issues with were because they had some planning issues. So the construction got delayed and they asked for an extension of the loan to another year. So it wouldn't be a default as such, but there might be considerable delays as well. I just want to comment a little bit
1: on the lending thing is that you know, with Lendy, why there was a reason for such a high default rate was because the way they, they misrepresented the financial metrics. So if we talk about LTV, so loan-to-value index, which is a quite reasonable indicator of risk, in their platform it was, in some cases, it was not LTV, but it was the gross development value against LTV. So well, what it means that, let's say you are a developer, you're borrowing... 1 million, but your current property is worth 2 million. So your LTE would be 50%, but let's say your expected sales price, which can be anything gross sales price, you know, you can pick a lucky number, (laughs) and let's say it's 4 million. So in that case, uh, they would put this as 25%. So, you know, these really high risk investments, they were framed in a little bit way, but I think it's, you know, it's just a black sheep. You know, I think uh, the defaults, of course, will come in when we the industry grows to a bank level. But, you know, it's not something we see very common.
0: And also, perhaps it was an issue with a geographical type of investment because even Property Moves, which was one of the biggest platforms, was one of the biggest platforms in the UK, also ran into some trouble. And I was personally invested in that platform as well. Hopefully things will... Somehow returns won't be lost, let's say, because they are going to put all the properties on the stock exchange. So they repackaged themselves in that way. But Lendy was an outright default. So, yeah, I think some platforms might be misrepresenting things. And I think platforms like housers, especially housers, might be being too aggressive in the way they grow. And that's my feeling of them at the moment. They've been expanding from Spain into other countries. And I have doubts on how much due diligence they do. And I think that's the benefit that a platform like yours brings about. I think nowadays, as investors, we have too many platforms to choose from. I've been seeing other financial bloggers invested in 30 platforms. I mean, to me it seems a bit ridiculous to go in every month, at minimum, to check how all your investments are doing. It's it's a full-time job for sometimes minimal returns because the platforms are targeting small investors where you're investing a 1,000 euro, 10,000 euro. We're not investing millions here. So I don't think it makes sense to spend so much time for so little potential returns. I'd rather invest in one trusted platform. And that's why I like the concept of Evo Estate. What perhaps would be my question is why should I trust Evo Estates rather than do it myself directly? I get the concept, but I'm not sure why I should trust you guys over anyone else.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, you're a free man, so you can, you you know, it's your freedom of choice to trust or or not to trust. But I think, you know, there are a lot of different benefits just aside the segregation, because if you use our platform and you use like like if you go to different property platforms, just auto invest allows you to select basically the returns and how much you want to invest. That's it. That's, that's ridiculous. Because how could it be auto-invest if it you you don't actually are, are not able to choose what you want to invest? With us, you have like ten different options to choose from. You can create each profile for each platform, you can look at mortgage ranks, you can look at uh, expected returns. You can even create portfolio sizes. So we are taking it to a little bit next level. Also, the same goes for secondary market. You can make bids. Very soon, we will introduce margin trading. This is also a feature that nobody has this in this industry. So some people might not know what is margin trading. So to give you an example, we will give 75% margin, which means that if you have 10,000 euros invested, so you have portfolio value of 10,000 euros, you can use 7,500 euros in secondary market without having any cash in your account. So you can make buy orders or you could just trade the investments. And in that case, uh, we will charge a small 1% fee for this margin option. But so we are talking about this thing. And another thing that I think really sets us apart when I told that, look, we're investor focused, is that if you set up your auto-invest, and let's say you get an auto-invest, which you do not like. So with us, you can cancel it in 24 hours without any extra costs, no fees. Because from our personal investing experience, um, one platform, which is not a, on a, our partner's list, we've been investing there seriously. So all our defaults came just from auto-invest, and we said, okay, this this shouldn't happen with us. So I think there's a lot of these different things, but like with us, you are investing with investors and we take care of all your needs. And uh, I think it's completely different approach and I think this is the reason why other people choose us. And, you know, at the same time, we have to take into account that still are, we are very small in terms of, you know, the deal flow. Uh, so... Our vision, the way we want to build the company is not only have continental Europe, we will, this year, we will be adding UK deals as well, some other foreign markets. We will integrate currency exchange. So again, like you want to invest, you can deposit in euros, exchange a currency inside the platform, send it into pounds. It all optimizes your experience. These small things, they, they take investment to a different approach. With time, as we grow, our goal is to Add even other markets like Asia, the Gulf, uh, Latin America, North Americas. And uh, I think what we will essentially become, and our goal is what we strive for, is to become the largest real estate investment deals marketplace. That basically we want to kind of take a huge market share from real estate investment funds, where you you have massive ticket sizes that... Retail investors cannot usually afford and just create this platform which would basically solve all the problems with this industry and make it accessible to everyone.
2: Therefore, that would be a mix of institutional investors and retail investors. It's almost similar to when they issue a bond and there is a mixture of investors. I mean, big companies, institutional investors, pension funds, and retail investors. Is there a minimum and a maximum that one can invest with you?
1: Yeah, so usually we keep minimums very low, just 50 euros. So there's also like the… Is plat- it worth? Uh, what?
2: 50 euros. <laughs> it sorry. depends. Well, the <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's a very good question, but for us, again, like what, what, we are in, what we are in here for and our vision is to be investor-focused, like we… For us, it's if it's fifty, it's fifty, because there's a lot of platforms who do thousand euros minimum investment, five thousand euros. But we want to make it more accessible to other people. And uh, now, like to be frank with you, it doesn't always worth it. But you know, it's a game of scale. For us to be really big and grow, we need thousands of customers. So this will definitely work uh, in the future.
2: And if you invest, say, one thousand,
1: yeah. Um,
2: in the project and I'm interested in investing 100,000 it's a bit disproportionate you know you tell me that you are also invested but I'm investing 100,000 whilst you are investing 1,000 yeah would you tell me that
1: yeah so it's uh, you know it's uh, completely transparent and also uh, you know we have a lot of big clients people who invest not 100,000 into a deal but they have portfolios of these size so every time they make investments for larger amounts we ask are you sure there will be other deals and the goal of us is to diversify but i think you shouldn't focus so much on this uh, number as a 1000 euros it's all about proportion of your net worth you know for maybe for if you have a 1 billion euros or you know 500 million yeah this 100000 doesn't sound like a large number okay but uh, so, uh,
2: if I, if i come with 100000 would you Test my knowledge about investments, for example, and keep record of that?
1: So usually what we do is that uh, every time you deposit money with us, you receive an email from me or my partner, the chief investment officer, and we basically want to understand your risk level and your understanding of risk. So this is especially evident with the larger clients and people who invest into more riskier deals. Uh, We always want to be clear because again like I already mentioned this before We do this extra layer of due diligence and if you look at many projects on our platform, we say We don't understand how this deal basically This is such a high risk that we don't understand how this could work out or we give statistics how this deal cannot can be illiquid There are very different risk levels for everyone. And it doesn't mean that if my risk level doesn't match other person's risk level, it's a wrong deal. No. Everyone has its own risk level, but we are always being transparent about the risks that are involved in each project.
2: And we were talking about the default rates. How long is the, the experience? Three years, four years, five years?
1: Hours is a year. Hours is a year.
2: A year? Yeah therefore, you have been in existence for one year. Yeah. And what is your growth rate?
1: It's 100% month to month. So we are growing almost across all metrics, 100% month to month. The only metric that we double, don't double, is invested amount. Because we still sometimes, like it's very unstable, uh, the deal flow. So sometimes we have, more deals than you can invest in. And sometimes we have these periods where we don't have too many deals, like September was an awful month where we have only one skin in the game project. So you know, in that sense, that metric didn't keep up, but I think doubling every month since our launch, I would say it's a pretty impressive result. And to what do you attribute the success? I think it's all about, it's all about that, that we come, we are investors ourselves. And when we build this business and all our position, positioning and all all that you see, our project descriptions, uh, it's all built from the way that we are investors and we are investing with you and not that we are lenders and we want to lend money for others and we are not lending it together with you. And I think it changes the game. And I think it was also a very structured approach. Yes, we look young. But in fact, you know, we already, in our team, we sold three internet businesses. My business was venture capital backed. So, you know, we definitely have uh, a lot of experience when it comes to big international uh, technology companies. And also, we have been very active with different investments. Uh, I don't know if you are aware of companies like Revolut or Enevo. Uh, These are unicorns. We've been investors into these companies as well. So we take best practices from everywhere. We take this experience and we just apply it and we share it with others.
2: And you decided to go for real estate. Yeah. Bricks and mortar, which, I mean, conceptually give investors comfort. That's not something intangible, but something tangible.
1: Why did you choose real estate? Because uh, I think it's not so much about the highest returns, but it's about predictable returns. And also, this is where we have the most know-how in these investments. And uh, I believe that this industry has the highest potential to grow. Generally, real estate as an industry is probably the largest industry there is in the world. But with this particular field of crowdfunding, I believe it will grow the, the fastest uh, in the upcoming 10 years.
2: And. Uh- if I invest with you, would I get information about how the companies in which I'm investing are, are performing? Because I wouldn't have time. I, would you help me?
1: Yes. So basically, when you invest through us, it's uh, you get all the information. So you have uh, the borrower, the real estate company provides us its balance sheets. It provides us as much as in financial. How money. often would they do that? So usually it's for a. It's for the when you start investing, and they provide this. And because it's a short-term project, you just—if we're talking about nine months—you probably don't get. Would updates. they provide a prospectus, sort of? Prospectus, yeah.
2: How is it followed up?
1: Also, let me be clear that in certain countries, yes; in certain countries, no. It always really depends. Some projects give updates six months. Some projects do not give updates. It's for us. You have to understand because we are. We are not in lending business, but we are in deal sourcing business. We just cover too many types and too many geographies that this could be a standardized process.
2: Yeah, but you told us that um, you rely also on outside consultants that yeah. would give you the necessary professional you know formation and advice. But if I am investing with you, would I get monthly updates, quarterly updates, six monthly updates? would you sort of forewarned me that a company might be in, in the doldrums or, yeah, you know, a storm is brewing up somewhere?
1: Yeah. So when we talk about uh, generally, like, your returns, everything is displayed also in the platform. So you can go to portfolio section, and you always see your monthly balances, how they are growing or decreasing. And uh, if we're talking about the projects, in a lot of cases, yes. This is what we do, but for the
2: normal investor ratios, like you know, interest cover ratio, loan to value ratio, and
1: all that, yeah,
2: um, would you get that information?
1: Yeah, so it's all it's all when you begin investing, all the information is there, like loan to value, mortgage ranks, the balance sheet of the company, the personal guarantees. In some cases, you have the experience of the developers. There's official third-party valuation. There's a lot of documentation. But I'm just saying when we are in an ongoing process, when we say, like, let's say 12 months, the developer, in a lot of cases, they do not update you every month or three months or six months just because it's such a small project. And, you know, if we're talking about debt of 100 or 200,000 euros, nobody will make money if they begin reporting so heavily.
2: Well, public companies have an obligation to to report. Private companies who are facing financial difficulty have an incentive not to you know disclose certain information yeah. and that's where perhaps uh, is the major risk
1: yeah so that's that's true of course but you have to understand that of course if you would bought, lend money to a publicly traded company uh with the yeah. yeah the return you will probably the inflation will eat the money so and you also have to understand that we are an aggregator. So we we source the deals. So the one who is in charge of supervising the process and everything is the lender. We just act on this behalf. So if they send the information or we have any requests for it or we have any concerns, then they also send it to us. But we are not the ones who are creating this deal and we are just facilitating the transactions.
0: Right, so... I've been investing in many platforms directly. Yeah. If I decide, and just to clarify, sometimes you invest in a company like an SPV in the UK, and you get actual shares, and other times you're not investing in a company as such. You're investing and you're giving a loan to a development company, which is, so you're giving a loan to a development company for a particular project. Okay. So I think it's important to make the distinction you're not always investing in companies here. Okay, so when I invest with Evo Estates, would I then log into the platforms directly to get my updates or would I get them through you? You would get the
1: updates from us, but I just want to clarify that in a lot of situations when the deal is only constructed that you're actually a shareholder in the company or SPV, but it's actually just a loan, which is created as an instrument of the claim rights to the equity. So Mm -hmm. usually even if you invest directly, you are not the holder of the
0: equity. Right, yeah, so the concept you understand now that it's not a company in the traditional sense that you're investing in when you do these kind of deals. But
2: obviously you are investing in a venture, in a business venture, whatever its nature. And uh, I would be interested to know, Um, how this venture is doing if uh, things are not going well. Obviously, I might want to exit as soon as possible. This is my point, especially if my investment is substantial. One other question that I had was this. If the investment has a finite date and it matures, and I don't want to exit from the investment with you, how how does it work would you automatically sort of direct me to other investments to keep the money there therefore i invest in a venture yeah which matures and uh, it expires basically yeah and uh, i don't want to get my money back i want to keep them there because i had a a good return and i want to keep investing how how does it work
0: i don't know if you're gonna mention the auto invest feature but I think it's worth clarifying on what exactly the auto invest feature is and how it works as well.
1: Yeah. So basically the way it works is that it's a digital platform. So you have all the investments right there, all the information, all the documentation by our legal status. We cannot make any decisions on your money with your money. You take your decision and we only act on your behalf. So let's say a deal matures. So you always have an option just going to the projects page and looking for the next investment that you want to invest. So this is one option. Second, also, if you go to portfolio section, you have a button withdraw. You just insert the money. The money is back in your account in 24 hours. So this is how it works. How to make that the money would always be investing is to create a note to invest. So basically, you create the parameters for your investments, LTV, loan-to-value, the mortgage rank, the returns, the deal originator, the country that you want to invest, the deal type. And by that, it always uh, invests your money. And every time it invests your money, you get an email. You check your email. You go and see your investment. And if, in case you don't not like your investment, you can cancel it in under 24 hours.
2: There is a cooling down period, 24 hours? Or?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so you can cancel it and no extra fees. And nobody in this industry does not offer such a feature. And this is, again, like why I believe we are unique.
0: Yeah, earlier we spoke about it not making sense in some cases to spend so much time looking after your investments if you're investing a lower amount. What I do is use auto-invest in many platforms. You can use auto-invest, which, as Gustav said, Is basically just a page on the platform where you set the parameters, uh, which countries you want to invest in, which type of property, and so on. So it's very easy. And like that, you can log in once a month to see how your portfolio is doing, but I wouldn't necessarily be looking and evaluating each project I'm investing in. I'm trusting the platform as such. But when I receive the email that 1,000 euro have been invested in such a project, I do scan it briefly, and if there's something that's obvious to me that I didn't want to invest in such a project, I can use the cooling down period. And uh, are there various currencies
2: uh, in which one can invest?
1: So at this point, we only offer in euros, uh, but we will have uh, different currencies as well. But we also had... uh,
2: Therefore, you are targeting the countries depending on their currency, or not?
1: The way we work is that at this moment we work only in continental Europe. So the deals are from continental Europe and it's all in euros. So you deposit money in euros, you invest in euros. After some time, you can deposit... But not all the countries of the European Union have the euro. Yeah, but at this point, the the deals that we had, they were in euro countries. I see. We also had one deal in the United States, but it was also in euro currency. So now we were just doing the deals with... uh, Euro
2: currency. Okay, therefore the rates of return are all based on euro. Yes. There there is no other currency risk that no. uh, might affect. And if I had to pay in cryptocurrencies. No. No?
1: No, no. <laughs> Thank you, but no. <laughs> Why
0: did you pass this on to me? <laughs> My question is where you're attracting most investors from at this point in time, geographically. So
1: I think it's a little bit of everything because we have active investors from 52 countries. A lot of them come from Baltic states, actually. It's our home market. People, there are very willing to invest in uh, digital assets or digital platforms. Also, I would say Germany is also quite a huge market for us, but the rest is spread out all over the world but at the, at the pace of we are what, which we are growing and we see that basically when we get a customer from a new country, it takes relatively small time until he, uh, it's his friends or family and then this way we get kind of a network effect in the local, uh, in that country.
0: And in terms of projects, which countries are you most active in? So
1: I would say uh, Baltic States and Spain. So these are two of our most active markets. And uh, we also have deals from Germany. I think we had deals deal from Finland as well, and the United States.
0: And how do you see, like, on a European basis, how do you see the real estate market developing in, say, the Baltics versus other parts of Europe?
1: It really depends. I would say that it's, I think, a question that we, are, we could run a whole podcast. <laughs> but uh, in Baltic states, like, we are talking about... Uh, it's developing fast and uh, there was recently a huge boom for commercial properties especially in Vilnius, lithuanian capital there was just lack of offices and they could the developers could make really nice returns so i think these were the most evident and when we speak about general europe it's uh, too big of a market to say much because <clears throat> you know we don't only do uh, regular deals we do also short-term rentals so we do Uh, Airbnb uh, rentals as well we have some in uh, Spain in Sevilla uh, Malaga so you know the the tendency there is that the cities are restricting the licenses for Airbnb so it's causing the challenges
0: because I've been investing in Spain over the past years and I've seen quite a restriction in the deal flow especially in Barcelona and also, it's not so easy to make the profit as it was a few years back because of various regulations, the Catalan independence movement, which has put off certain foreign investors. So there are also the political risks to be considerate about. And how do you rate, because obviously you specialize in real estate, and we're seeing a big boom in P2P lending like directly to other consumers. How do you view that sector of the market versus what you are doing?
1: I think uh, these are two completely different uh, businesses. There's a lot of skepticism about consumer credit. It's very decisive. So, when people say that consumer credit, fast credit, short term credit, that just doesn't work, they believe this could be an attractive investment opportunity. Well, for me, I do not have a relative experience with consumer lending, so I cannot say too much from my perspective. Well, how do I feel about it? What I feel about real estate is that, you know, this industry has been for thousands of years. And uh, again, maybe in consumer lending, you can make much higher returns than real estate, but you don't have collateral. You could just be going through the liquidation processes for 10 years because there are just no assets, you cannot find the person. This one uh, story that recently I heard in Czech Republic, the lending companies didn't have a unified database of, of the borrowers. And Basically, what essentially happened was that the borrower would lend at one fast credit company, then it would go to another one and it would go on and on and on. So, uh, but, you know, you, you cannot do these things with real estate. You, you have collateral, you have the mortgage property. And uh, I think the, the when you have assets which back it, even if the returns aren't that high, I still rather stay with the security.
0: How do you investigate projects? Let's say you partner with a platform and they release a project. So me as an individual investor, I might go to say, How, I don't know if you're partnered with them. Are you partner mm, not them? yet not yet but any other platform i'll read the prospectus um do you go deeper than investigating that and how do you do it yeah so
1: every market is different so i would see that in uh, baltic states we are uh, we have this advantage of just being local where we talk about different countries we we have a lot of data that we have acquired different transactional data various sales data and basically We first look at technological data, we look into the properties from all the descriptional perspective, and then we try to go deeper looking into competing properties. And then when we have all these, when looking into each project, we always look, what could we not know about this? What are our general assumptions about every project? And then we try to validate them, we try to check them. And at the end point, we always ask our local advisors for their opinions and see if our opinions match them. If if there are any irregularities, and if there are, we try to understand why, and we always go to the bottom of that.
0: And since you partner with these platforms, have you ever been in situations where you challenge them with certain questions about a property?
1: Yeah, so one platform actually wanted to stop working with us mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they said like you cannot, sign they, for you <laughs> uh, that
0: you're s- doing things right
1: they said like how can you do this that if you want to put us out of business and we say look we have to be transparent we have to use so truth we are mm-hmm. responsible for other people money but other platform was that um, also we challenged them a lot and we saw that they basically, the way they perceive risk and the way they describe the risk to the users was unacceptable. and uh, We just stopped working with them. We still haven't announced it because we are, we are doing a small investigation ourselves. We want to look deeper into company finances and people behind it. But uh, there was just basically when you have project description, there was like, let's say we have a, there was this luxury project and Luxury properties in Baltic states tend to be liquid. Just
0: that's that's. Uh, I've seen a few of those online. You can see some incredible properties. I think it was in Lithuania, which are have been uninhabited for many months or years now.
1: Yeah, it it, it depends. Like it's. Uh, I think uh, like generally we we don't like uh, in our deal selection process we don't like uh, luxury projects generally, but this platform was doing this luxury project and basically. What they failed to say was anything. They just said, look, this is a very famous artist. Sotheby's are selling this, you know, this and that. This was awful description. The way we made it, we said, look, the let's look at the statistics. We, I have very good friends who has the most accurate database of uh, Baltic States uh, transactional data. Last year, there were only six properties like that sold in the whole country. Six properties, what makes you think that this would be the seventh? You know what I mean? We just went really aggressive on that description because we said, all right, this is enough is enough. If they want to say this to their investors, they can, but we have to be transparent. So they were really, really unhappy. We always try to satisfy both parties, but at the end of the day, we are responsible for other people's money. So we will always go to the investor side, and I think the way... Or pl- platform is constructed i think it's pretty well
0: reflects that and just one last question in the case of lendy the uk platform and you have to be honest here were you able to predict the collapse of the platform
1: honestly i i wasn't uh, looking at that point in the uk market too much i heard that something could be not going well but i could not like we work with this, but like I personally am not an oracle You know, <laughs> 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 who can predict the future.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a clever answer. Parish. <laughs> 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 Anything else you wanted to mention before we close off?
1: I think uh, that's it from my side as well, and uh, I would just like to thank you again. For you, Jean and Joseph, we had a really nice chat.
0: Welcome.
1: I invite everyone to try it out, and if not to try out, just just to see the things that we were discussing, how we are building this from the investor focus perspective, and uh, the one thing we also I think that was able to fuel this our growth was how responsive we are to feedback. So, if any of your listeners will have any feedback, just please uh, let us know. We are we are always looking the ways how we can improve, and we are always welcoming
0: any feedback. Excellent. So it's evoestate.com? Yeah. Are you on social?
1: Yeah, so Facebook as well, uh, EOState.com, LinkedIn as well, just evoestate. Uh, you can reach us in emails, info at com.
0: And I'll also be publishing some content about evoestate on my blog, dot As usual, I will be taking a critical look at these platforms and continue publishing reviews and articles about platforms so feel free to reach out uh, to me as well if you prefer to talk to me rather than maybe a more biased person from evo estate but based on this discussion i think that they're doing like a good thing for the uh, industry as a whole their online investing and crowdfunding platform and i'd love to see more companies take uh, such an approach so Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you online.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We
0: look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.